Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. And I'm your co-host, Hunter Heineman. Hey, Hunter, I tell you, turkey season, man, we're right in the middle of it, and I'm I've been a little frustrated so far, you know, but uh, I was over in Kentucky, had a had a great time, but I'm not going to tell that whole story yet. i got to write about that, you know. <laughs> but, uh, man, great things going on in Missouri, and I'm happy to say I've got an old, old, old friend uh, on the show today. I've known him for decades, one of the best turkey hunters in the United States, Mr. Alex Rutledge. Alex, good to have you on, man. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show, guys. And and, and uh, I just want to say this to you, Hunter. Uh, I am where I'm at today, part of because of Bill Cooper interviewing me when I was young. Uh, and I'm not really that old, Bill. You said old, 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 old. old, old. But, <laughs> but back in the day, I would do shows with Bill. And uh, Bill helped me uh, get uh, known through his show as well as other people that I've met. But uh, Bill is a true icon here in the Ozarks, and I have a lot of respect for Bill as a friend and as an outdoor writer and uh, podcast host, radio show host. So we're good friends, and I've learned some things from Bill. Anytime he's bragging on me, Hunter, I know I need to drop a $20 bill in the mail. You yeah, know? there you go. <laughs> No, I'm just wanting to go hunt some of Living the Dream Outdoors properties. Yeah. That's what I'm wanting to do. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But we'll have to keep, work, keep working on that one. But, oh, Alex, yeah. going back a few decades, man, I remember, remember the uh, article we did together for uh, – this National Wild Turkey Federation on a, how to how to call turkeys with a duck call. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually used a it was a Primos, I think, a six and one duck whistle. You know, uh-huh. and I was playing with it one day and discovered that I could do a kiki on on that. So Alex, yep. and I, we went out and fall turkey hunted, and I think there was three of us. I think we killed three birds that day using a duck whistle. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Hey, hey, if it's been tried, Alex Rutledge had tried it. That that is for sure. Well, yeah. Well, well Alex, I want I, I want to throw a bone to somebody else real quick too that helped me get started in the industry was Ray I and Marty I. So you know I'm where I'm at today because they took uh, a chance on a little old, a hillbilly country boy that had a silver tooth back in 1985. <laughs> You know, they said, man, this little boy can call. So they, they kind of took me under their wings as an old gobbler or a hen would do and and kind of coached me to turkey calling. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Hey, no, nothing to be sorry about. Uh, Ray, I helped me a lot over decades, too, man. I've been to a number of his media camps, and uh, I wind up yeah. cooking and doing a lot of stuff like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, surely not. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love to cook, though. We've had some great, great times. But Ray's helped a lot of people in the industry. You, you know that, Alex. Well, yeah, has. She has. Yes, he has. He, well, we want to get into, hey, we're right in the middle okay. of turkey season here. And, and I know that, okay. you know, uh, everybody always excited at the beginning of the turkey season. You hope to kill a turkey first time you go out. But we know that doesn't happen. But they're just sliding yep. in the middle of turkey season and things are toughening up. What do you do to kill birds then, Alex? Okay, when, when they toughen up like that and when they get end up, the, the secret that I have found that works for me is, you know, less calling and get in close, get inside the bubble with that gobbler, with the hens, meaning, you know, 100 yards if you can. And what you're trying to do is uh, build a, a conversation with the hens and with that gobbler. And once you get that conversation going, you, you've got to try to trigger the hens and try to get the hens to want to investigate. Uh, there is times that I've got the gobbler fired up and pulled him away from the hens. So uh, that goes back to uh, uh, reversing what I first said in my comment is that you may have to, once you get him going, you could get more aggressive in your calling. And once you trigger him, you could possibly pull him away from the hens. That works as well. But you got to know the right time to do that, Bill. Oh, absolutely. I started to say when you mentioned that, you know, that's kind of a lucky day, man, when you can get a gobbler away from the hens. And uh, I know, Alex, uh, over the decades, you know, you, you worked, uh, man, you worked for H.S. Strutt forever, it seem, seems like. But uh, uh, we don't mind talking brand names no. either, you know, because we, yeah. we, no. talk, we talk living yeah. the dream all the time. But uh, yeah. what kind of calls are you using these days? Okay, well, I have my own line of calls. On You go to my website, and there's some dealers that's carrying my calls. www.americanrootsoutdoors.com. I've got a series of friction calls. I have uh, slate calls, a three-and-a-half-inch slate call, and several three-inch slate calls, and a grass call, and uh, uh, signature series box calls. All these calls are signature series. I have three different models of diaphragms, a M150, which is a one-and-a-half reed call with a tear-out slit. The E250 is a tear-out slit cut call, a very thin latex, very user-friendly. And my L300 is a three-reed call with a double tear-out with a flap in the middle like the Batwing cut. And uh, all these calls, I think what you guys will find that is really unique, when you think of American roots, you think of family. Absolutely. And what I've done, Bill and Hunter, is I've put meaning uh, to the calls. And what I mean by that is my box call is named after my mother. Really? We call my box, yes, we call it the box call. When you go on a website, you're going to look for Laverne. That was the first name, my mother's first name. So, yeah, so my slate call, my first three and a half, is named after my oldest sister, Evelyn, who was killed in a car wreck in 1972. Mm -hmm. And the, the next call I got is a three-inch slate, and we call her Margaret. Then I've got another, <laughs> yeah, That's her name great. is Margaret. Mar Believe it or not, Margaret was killed in a car wreck, too, in, in the 1990s by drunk drivers. Both No, both of my sisters have lost their lives to drunk drivers. Then I've got a new wow. three-inch glass call that we call Maureen, and uh, sh her heart just gave out on her a couple of years ago. And uh, so all my calls have meaning. It's, you know, uh, American Roots is about family, 
faith, friends, outdoors, but all my calls are named after my sisters and, and family members. Well, that's really cool, but I'm going to ask a favor of you. Don't well, ever you're name. wanting some. I'll send you some. Well, I'll you do you that, some. but don't ever name a call after me. <laughs> okay. You, <laughs> I'll, I'll, call. I'll wait till you're dead, Bill. I'll wait till you're dead. <laughs> well, that may not be long. God will call. You hear me? God will call. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> That was pretty good. Oh, he could, he could do it. Yeah, of course, Alex claims he's not old, but he's older than he's letting on because you go way <laughs> back. Yeah. I, I think the first thing he won, wasn't it the Owl Hooting Championship, Alex? No, I won uh, the, the South Central Missouri Ozarks Open at Fair, Missouri in like 1983. And uh, I've won it several times, and I've won the South central southeast missouri open central several times and i won the the world uh national amateur turkey calling championships in yellville in 1987 that's oh. where i got my biggest win yeah uh-huh. then i won the national godly in 1988 i've qualified in the top 10 at the national championship six times so oh. i've been in the finals six times I thought there was an owl hooting championship there somewhere. Oh, yeah. I won that Missouri State. <laughs> I've won Missouri State Owl. I've won Missouri State uh, Calling. And I've won South Central Missouri Ozarks Open Alley, Southeast Missouri. I've won uh, runner-up in the world two-man team. Runner-up in the national championships two-man. I've won a lot of stuff. It's hard to remember all of them. But again, <laughs> I thought you're old. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I am. A, all right, all right. I'm going to admit it. I'm getting old. <laughs> You're getting old. <laughs> so, Alex, do you uh, primarily um, you hunt mainly in Missouri, or what other experiences in the turkey woods do you have? Like, do you mainly hunt timber, or are you mainly hunt in fields? What What has your experience been through the years in the in the turkey woods, and what other places have you been, maybe other than Missouri, that you could share with us? Okay, uh, that great question. Thank you for asking that, Hunter. I've I've got my slam twice, nice. the, the Grand Slam. <laughs> but I hunt all over the country. I just got back from uh, fishing at Toledo Bend with Wise Eye Trail Camera uh, owners. And if you've never seen Wise Eye guys, just real quick, it makes hunting simple, easy. It collects data and tells you the exact times you need to be in front of that camera to shoot that big gobbler with the hands or that big bucket's coming through working a scrape. But anyway, www.wiseitech.com. But I've hunted uh, Ohio, uh, Missouri, Kentucky, Kansas, Oklahoma, California, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, um, Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania, New York. I've hunted a lot of states. Boy, you uh, have. But I have. Sweet. And uh, I've, God has blessed me to be able to travel and take people. And I really love taking beginning hunters to, to teach them about the love and the sport of God's creation, the wild turkey, man. And uh, uh, the, I love hunting uh, wherever they're at. It doesn't matter if they're in timber or if they're in fields. Uh, for filming, I love to set up in open areas, though, uh, to get the best footage, Hunter. Cool. But I do film, and I went out on a quest two years ago. I think you got you guys are going to love this. <laughs> you know, decoys is the big thing anymore. Once you get a turkey goblin, and if that turkey sees that decoy, you don't have to call no more. It's over, pretty much, pretty much. And what happens is 
And uh, I went on a quest a couple of years ago and said, I, I'm not taking any decoys and I'm going to self-film. I'm not using blinds. I'm just going to go back to old school, the way I was taught to talk to a turkey and call him in and kill him on film without using a blind or decoys. Right. Well, I did it. I killed two Missouri gobblers in the timber without a blind and killed them both with 20 gauge shooting apex ammunition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seems like, and I'm not being negative, but it's the truth. Decoys does the rest of the work for you after they see the decoys, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, if you're hunting in the timber and you get them called in within 50 and they're kind of right on that that bridge of your shooting distance with that shotgun, I've I've had a lot of times they'll just stand there and look around and they're like, where's where's the hen? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to reach out a little bit and hit them at that distance once they get kind of stuck there. But, yeah, I've, I've done it too. It's pretty cool. I was wondering too if you could uh, – elaborate a little bit um for some of the people okay. that don't know what a grand slam is can you can you okay. talk about that yeah the slam is when you kill uh, the four species here in america the osceola is in southern florida and that's where i got my osceola uh, a couple of times down there uh with 101 time done a show for espn back in the day espn was the main outdoor network with tom miranda shot one with him there and I shot a no, and I can't remember who I was with, but uh, another time. <laughs> old. <laughs> yeah, then Rio's. I've shot Rio's in Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, that's the Rio Grands, mm -hmm. and th their color of them uh, is uh, uh, a creamy color, and they gobble different than the Eastern. And uh, going back to the Osceola, if I may back up, the Osceola has really dark bars on their wings. But they, they look a lot like an Eastern, but darker wings. Mm -hmm. And they sound just like an Eastern. They sound like this when they gobble. Yeah. And a real, a real will gobble like this. Okay. Broken up. And the Merriam sounds very similar to a real. You know, and the, the real Merriams, I've shot Merriams in uh, several states, Nebraska, uh, pretty much the branches where I shot my Rio's, my Marriott's. And uh, let me think what else. The real Easterns, Osceola, that's it. Now that, so Marriott's in the, Nebraska. That's the mm -hmm. Grand Slam is when you get all of them in the United States, and the World Slam is when you get the, the uh, oscillated down Correct. in Mexico. Correct, right? the oscillated and the ghouls. And the ghouls. And the ghouls. And the ghouls. I've, I've been invited to hunt oscillated and ghouls, but I've never done it. Uh I'm afraid to go into Mexico. I'll just be truthful <laughs> with you. <laughs> I'm afraid to get out of our country right now. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's funny you bring it up because you know I've been going, I've been working down in uh, Yucatan for the last 14 years, and I was in the jungle turkey camp in March of last year. And Hunter was there with me and his dad. Week after we left, the cartel overrun that uh, camp. Uh, Stole our whole camp, and uh, <laughs> we didn't have a turkey camp yeah, no. there this year. Nope. So, yeah, uh, things have gotten a little... Really? Yeah, things got gotten a little, a little tougher down there. But, uh, yeah. Alex, I got I to gotta tell you, and I just got to say this, you know, uh, manufacturers of decoys hate me uh, because I, I don't use decoys a lot. I've killed 105 turkeys. I've killed two over decoys. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, I'm just lazy. I don't, I don't like packing all that stuff, and I get a big kick out of just calling that 
turkey in and making him look for that hen, you know. But that's just been my story. But I know lots of people that used uh, decoys and are very successful with them. And it sounds like you are too. I use them more, more um, definitely out in the field than I would, you know, right in the woods. But uh, if I go in the woods and bring one, it's usually just one really lightweight hen. Yeah. Well, yeah. down in the Yucatan. You know, the, those turkeys are colored uh, so differently, and they look like uh, more like a peacock. <laughs> one mm-hmm. of the guys had yeah. a little blow-up plastic decoy one yeah. time, and we're sitting at the edge of the jungle, and he set it out in the edge of a milo field. Things were going great till a big black eagle come along and snatched the decoy and flew <laughs> oh, off with it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, hey, I want to say this, if I may, guys. Uh, I use uh, two different types of decoys, and they'd give me decoys to use, and X has sponsored me uh, several times, and X just sent me uh, four different decoys, the strutter and upright hen and a jake and another hen, feeding hen. Uh, and the other decoys I use are the Montana decoys. Mm-hmm. And they're, they got a, if you haven't seen those, they are spring-loaded. And you fold them up, put them in a little bag, and when you take them out of the bag, they, they it's like they inflate themselves. The wow. spring just opens them up. So they've got hens and jakes, and then they've got another flip-out strutter decoy that I carry in my vest if gobbers are hung up, but I never like to use a gobber decoy and uh, if I'm running and gunning. And I never want to use a, a gobber decoy on public land. We want to touch safety. And Absolutely. When you're using decoys, everybody, you always want to set up where you can see at least you know, 100 yards beyond your decoy left and right and beyond that. If a person hunter comes that decoy, you need to shout out to them. Don't whistle. Don't wave your hand. You know, hey, you know, holler at them. Let them know you're there because people's been shot using decoys. Oh, absolutely, right. and that's and that you bring that up. I've had a couple of close calls when I use decoys, and boy, that's a uh, that's kind of nerve wracking. You know, I've been shot at in southeast asia yeah. but in the turkey woods uh, i could i can live without that but safety is absolutely number one well alex uh, kind of last question here for this this yeah. segment uh you talked about the four species in the united states that you have taken which is the most difficult to kill you know being born and raised in the ozarks you know it's my one of my favorite places to hunt uh probably the toughest scalper i remember ever killing calling and, and shooting was a northern Arkansas turkey on the North Fork Lake public land. And what made it so tough was that people would come in and mess me up while I was working the gobbler. He was spooked two different times before I killed him. He was a 25-pound gobbler, inch and quarter spurs, and ten-and-a-half, eleven-inch beard. But he was a public land gobbler, and the story, you can read about it, and uh the old turkey hunting series, uh, Turkey Hunting Secrets by uh, John Phillips. He done a series of books, and I share several stories in there with him, but I got to share this with you. Back on decoys, I had something happen to me one time. I was taking a young kid hunting. I'll never forget, I was hunting te- Texas County, Missouri, a private farm that I had the hunting rights to, and we're hunting close to a county road, probably about 50 yards off the county road, 75 yards, and this gobbler. Uh, we followed him in next to the county road and brought him across the county road. He comes to us. I call the turkey up. He comes up with 20 yards of the little boy, and the little boy shot and missed. Well, 
the turkey runs off back across County Road. I get him gobbling again, and I bring him back across the road through the fence, the four-strand barbed wire fence, and he's strutting by the road. As he's strutting by the road, a rig comes by, and road hunters shoot the gobbler from the road, and pellets hit all beside us. It's water it didn't hit us, and they killed the turkey from the road. And we had it all on film. Oh. <laughs> well, that's a little more excitement than most of us need. Well, Alex, man, Ooh. hey, we we wish you very well in, in the last uh, uh, couple of weeks of the season here in Missouri. And, man, it's great great to have you on the show for this segment. And I uh, hope you won't be a stranger. We'd like to get, back, get you back on at some point. But, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'd love to get you guys on my podcast sometime to talk about what you guys got going on. It would be an honor to have you. And uh, sure. nice to meet you, Hunter. Nice to and, meet you. And uh, thank you guys for what you do for the outdoor industry. God bless you. Yeah, same to you. Thank you. Hey, living the dream, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they are living the dream, man. They get to see all these beautiful places. Then they, uh, they get to sell them and help people buy, you know. Uh, the dreams of their life, man. We need to take a just short, short break here, but we'll be right back with more Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on the beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But Who's All Valley, there's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri, and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Bow Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Tanicomo Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Bow Fishing at 573 263 8016. Again, that's 573 263 8016. Be sure and shoot straight. Hi, this is Nick Darling with the Conservation Federation of Missouri. Our mission at CFM is to ensure conservation of Missouri's wildlife and natural resources and preservation of our state's rich outdoor heritage through advocacy, education, and partnerships. Part of our education mission involves our Conservation Leadership Corps, a youth education program for students in college and high school. 
Our CLC is a great opportunity for students passionate about the outdoors to become more involved in the management of Missouri's natural resources. Deadline to apply will close at the end of April, so don't wait to get your application in. You can visit confedmo.org slash CLC to apply for our program, or you can also email me at ndarling at confedmo.org to learn more information about the program. It's time for Conservation Notes with Missouri Department of Conservation Deputy Director Aaron Jeffries. Hi, this is Aaron Jeffries with the Missouri Department of Conservation. Hey, I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about conservation areas here around the state. How many of you all knew that you had 1,000 conservation areas for you to explore, to hunt, to bike ride, to camp and, and enjoy? 300 boat accesses, 70 public shooting ranges, 15 nature centers, and hundreds and hundreds of miles of biking and hiking and horseback trails here in the state. would encourage you to go online, download the Mo Outdoors app that will provide you access or go to the department's webpage, mdc.mo.gov, and look up for a conservation area close to you so you can get out and enjoy the great outdoors. Steve Stoltz is a world-class turkey hunter. Here's this week's turkey hunting tip. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz with Woodhaven Custom Calls, Mafio Camouflage, and Drury Outdoors. My turkey hunting tip for the week is actually working on soft calling. Incorporate and work on your soft stuff. In my opinion, soft calling is the deal sealer when it comes to working in a turkey. The reason why? Because they know good and well those low, soft sounds are what turkeys do the most. So, it's going to sound more real to them when they get in close and they hear the softer calling. Plus, it kind of puts that guesswork into where maybe they think you're a little further away than you really are, bring him in, bringing him in closer for the shot. And I'll give you an example of working on soft calling. Um, a few tips ago, I did some loud calling, some loud yelping. I'm going to do it again. This is, my, uh, this is from Woodhaven Custom Calls. This is my modified cutter it's in our mouth call line but i'm going to do some yelp some regular yelping i'll give you an example about toning it down and learning the softer stuff this is the louder yelping there's a time and place for that calling especially when they're further away but when they get in closer tone that calling down like this You incorporate more soft stuff in your calling, you will have better success in sealing a deal when that gobbler does commit to your location. It will bring them in that last 20, 30, 50 yards, whatever you need to get the kill. 
That's my turkey tip for the week. I'm Steve Stoltz. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast here in segment two. Hunter Hyman and I, hey, we talk quite a lot. We do. <laughs> Hunter's quite quite a storyteller. I think he takes it from his dad. I've heard him tell some pretty wild tales too. But Hunter, you know, man, I've been turkey hunting for wow, five decades, man. And there's some crazy, crazy things that can happen out there in the woods. And uh funny stories. You know, it's great. Any hunting situation. That's mm-hmm. one of the best parts of it is sitting around a campfire listening to guys <laughs> tell stories. And some of them, you know, you believe, some of them you don't believe. But one of the craziest things I ever had happen, this was probably back in the 1980s. Uh, I was hunting on a best turkey hunt spot I ever had in my life. An elderly couple owned several hundred acres here in the Ozarks and covered up in deer and turkey. And that's back when there was lots of turkeys. But uh, this particular morning, I was having a little bit of trouble, and I'd started out on the ridge I usually always hunted and just couldn't strike anything up. But I heard a turkey gobble across this little river, and uh, part of that farm laid across the river, just 10 or 20 acres, was just a couple of hills and a saddle there, and this gobbler was roosted right in that saddle. And I thought, man, I can kill that dude. But problem was, River was up just a little bit. It had rained the night before. <laughs> yeah. And I had one place I would cross as shallow shoal, and I'm not kidding you. I waited to cross that, had to turn my little headlight on, you know, just to make sure I didn't get too too wet. And I was within an inch of going over the top of my, my knee boots. And um, halfway across, I stopped, and I called again, just really get a good fix on it. Gobbled. Well, he gobbled again. Well, I had go pretty slow and easy to get across and i got to the other side and it it was light enough that uh that uh, uh shooting irish had started and i hit the other bank and rather than climb up that bank i still want to make sure where that gobbler was so that i didn't silhouette myself or anything like that so i'm at the bottom of the bank i call one more time and in that minute or so that it took me to cross that creek that gobbler had flown off roost towards me he was on the ground and when i called that last time he ran up to the top of the bank i mean he's probably less than 10 yards from me looked over the bank at me and gobbled (laughs) and so i just threw up and shot real quick flipped him over backwards and i thought i'd killed him stone dead you know someone running up there and i saw him running through the woods and he jumped off of a short bluff uh it had to been 60 yards away so I had a full choke or an extra full choke and shot the second time. That gobbler folded up and fell right in the middle of the river. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> hey, not, not a good scenario because it's deep water down there. So I hustled back across the shoal and I ran down the river, probably got 150 yards ahead of this turkey. And he spread eagle. <laughs> His wings are out, his head's underwater, and he's drifting away. I stripped down to my underwear, man. <laughs> I'm going to swim after this gobbler. I'm not letting this gobbler float off down the river. So I swam out and uh, reached, got a hold of the tip of one wing, and this bird came back to life, man. He started flopping and <laughs> scratching at me, even pecking at me. And its head had been under water this whole time, but it's just like he came back to life, man. This turkey's messing me up. But. Uh, I'm going underwater and floating down the river with him, and I finally turned loose of him and swam back to the bank and got a club about two foot long and, I don't know, 
about the size of a baseball bat. I swam back out there and grabbed a hold of the turkey again, just got the tip of his wing, and he's, man, he is very lively. But I start beating on this turkey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I took pictures of this thing. I got him back to the bank. Half the feathers was gone off of him. But back then, remember, you had to check these things in. Right. So uh, I previously had been superintendent of Merrimack Spring Park. That's where I took my turkeys to check them in. I knew everybody out there, all the conservation department guys. Mm-hmm. They laughed. and I still <laughs> that, Those guys still laugh at me when I run into them. It's been 30 years ago. They yeah. still bring that story up. But you know what? I'm just standing right away from rivers in my old age because one falls in the river now, uh, I'm not swimming after him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't even want to do that either. Well, I heard you tell some pretty good uh, turkey hunting tales a time or two. <laughs> yeah, I've been a part of some some hunting camps and it, you know, all over, and it is kind of fun to – that's probably one of the funnest parts is just listening to people talk about it and their experience and, and just sitting around a campfire and – listening to other people's stories whether it's a turkey or deer or something across the world you know code of mondays yeah (laughs) yep it's just kind of funny so uh i had a pretty good one gosh this is probably going back three years now i was hunting with dad out at his farm 550 acres in crawford county southern crawford county and we were hunting and we got on these three birds um and we have permission to hunt the neighbor's farm and and then the other adjoining neighbors. So we have three farms we hunt, my dad's and the two adjoining ones. And these birds were not too far on our our neighbor's property and we're like, Okay, let's you know, let's go after them. They were gobbling heavy and a lot, um, in the morning. And there was there was we couldn't tell if it was two or or what was going on, but there ended up being three of them. And uh they were all hanging out together, and I think this was the first week that it opened, like opening week, and we get in there on them, and we're like 150 yards away, and we call one more time, and we could tell they were coming our way, so <clears throat> we just sat down, and again, it was like you'd call, and one would gobble, and, all, and the other two would gobble. Just, they'd all sound off. <laughs> and uh, so they, they start coming, and, and finally they get about like 70, 80 yards, you know, just too far for me to shoot. And that was one of those scenarios where we didn't get to, we didn't have time to really set up a decoy or anything like that. And they just kind of ended up moving off and they moved off and gobbled a couple more times. And they were a couple hundred yards away at that point. Well, we ended up getting out of there and um, went on my dad's farm in a, another area. And the next day, and kind of uh, the same area where those birds were, we started hearing them again, all three of them going off goblin. So we went in in the timber again and took off after them. And um, we got, like, really close. We were probably standing, and he sounded off, it, and they were probably 80, 90 yards away. But oh it was thick enough we were covered. <laughs> so when they gobbled that one time, we just sat down. And by the time my butt hit the ground, I could see him walking through the woods. Coming to you, huh? Yep. <laughs> and uh, I, so I had sat down, and my gun was on my lap. It wasn't even up on my knee ready or anything. And uh, 
they come in again we didn't have time to set a decoy up we're just in there and they come up at about 45 50 yards through some real thick stuff and i couldn't see the heads of the other two and i could see one and he wasn't wasn't strutted up or anything and i whispered down i'm like what do you think he's like if you can shoot him shoot he goes i can't even see him my dad was hunting with his 410 pistol. So um, I uh, went ahead and, and shot one, and it fell down. And, of course, when you're turkey hunting, you just, you know, you take off and make sure you go get it So, because they're tough. I, I hit it, and it fell. It was flopping around, and by the time I got up to turkey, it was gone. And I looked up top of the hill, and he's running up the hill and runs over the hill. And so I take off over the hill, <laughs> and I still got two in the the chute. So I still got two shells left. And uh, this turkey, I get up there, and I don't know, I'm standing there. I looked over to my right, looked back to the left, and this turkey all of a sudden is just running from my right to left at about 25 yards, and it's pretty messed up. Like his wing was maybe – broke I, i'm not really sure but he he's running sideways at like 25 <laughs> yards and just like kind of clucking and making all kinds of noises and so i throw the gun up and shoot at him while he's running and i was all flustered and out of breath missed <laughs> he circles around and instead of just running away from me or farther to the left he like circled back around kind of bumped into a tree and turned right towards me and i took Threw my gun up again, and at this point, I think he was 10 yards, and I missed. <laughs> Felt like a big idiot then, but my pattern was so tight, I was freaking out. And, yeah, uh, that close. So then at that point, the turkey's running right at me. I'm out of shells, and I just set the gun down on the ground, basically. Turkey ran right into me and just grabbed him right by the neck and <laughs> laid down on him. <laughs> <laughs> he ran right into me, but that turkey was—he's running straight at me as fast as I could. It was like a charging turkey. Yeah, so just grabbed him by the neck. Huh? Yeah, grabbed, oh. grabbed Was that right. a pretty good wrestling match once you hit the ground? <laughs> you didn't get spurred, did yeah, you? Yeah, I grabbed him. I had one one hand around his neck and the other around both of his feet. He was just a two-year-old bird, maybe an eight-inch beard, but man, it was. It was a good one to remember. Oh, uh, I would imagine so. I, I bet your dad had some good remarks to make about that. Yeah, you know, another good one, and I think I, I think you heard it down in Mexico was the good one about Bill Lovelace. We might have to get him on a podcast on here because that was a good hey, one. He's too. a wild man. I'll That's tell you. another good charging turkey. <laughs> <laughs> one that's kind of an inside well, joke but yeah but bill can tell some great stories you yeah. know after we left turkey camp i was going to tarpon fishing camp by myself mm-hmm. and uh, bill felt sorry for me so <laughs> he yeah. volunteered to go all that's expenses what it was. Paid, you know <laughs> hey we had a great time that mm-hmm. week we laughed and joked and uh other than me being sick for a day or two there we, it was a pretty good time we ate at some good restaurants and hey i'd take that dude back man he was a he was a ton of fun, but man, great stories, nothing like it. And uh, hey, folks, we encourage you, you know, to uh, record those stories. I've done that a bit over the years. That's mm-hmm. where some of my article material come mm-hmm. from, you know. And uh, I'm not above making fun of somebody. So I know guys that uh, 
will journal it too and like write you know every day they go out you know and write some stuff down about their experience and what date it was and just do a little paragraph thing about what happened and that day or whatever and and then they have it when they come back and then you can kind of cool to look back on that sometimes they'll send it to me and i read it and yeah what would be i never really kept a journal like that i guess my (laughs) journals where i've been writing for 52 years so uh, I look back at stories a lot of times, and mm-hmm. and boy, just a great flood of memories that that come back, you know. But those stories like that, hey, you never—that's <laughs> the stories you tell your grandchildren. And I'm actually telling some of my stories to my grandkids now. But I had a dear friend I went to church with many—that's been 30 years ago as well. But he had a story similar to yours. He actually went out. It was last Sunday morning of season, and he went out turkey hunting before he came to church, and he was on a ridge and had a gobbler that was running through the woods straight at him. I don't know if something spooked it or what, but he had a Belgian, an original Belgian Browning shotgun. He shot the turkey, knocked it down, it got up, got up, still running towards him. He shot it second time, shot it the third time, <laughs> and it's still running at him. And he takes his Belgian Browning, swings it like a baseball bat, and clotheslines the turkey, broke his neck, killed him stone dead, <laughs> but he bent the barrel oh, on man. that Belgian Browning. <laughs> so so be careful how you use those guns, folks. But, hey, from Hunter Hyman and myself, we're, we're living our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to do the same. Get outdoors and live those outdoor dreams. I'm Bill Cooper. And I'm Hunter Heineman, your co-host. Hey, if you're looking to go bass fishing on the Lake of the Ozarks, look no further than Big Ed's guide service right there on Lake of the Ozarks. Big Ed Franco has been fishing on Lake of the Ozarks most of his life and has been guiding for almost two decades. I've fished with Big Ed and had a great time. He's a lot of fun and certainly knows where the bass live. You can call Big Ed to make a reservation at 573-692-6710 or go to BigEdsGuideService.com. And on the flip side of his business card is Bass and Baskets. That's a bed and breakfast that he and his wife, Deb, also run right on the banks of Lake of the Ozarks. You have a beautiful place to stay, great meals, beautiful outdoor decor, and you can walk right out the front door, get on Ed's bass boat, and head out to fish. You can call for the bed and breakfast at 573-692-6737 or look them up at bassandbaskets.com. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker, On the Hook TV, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. 
At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm, we live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.